Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I wanted to start a conversation that we've kind of had over the couple years of doing this from a periphery standpoint. And in some ways it might have been just assumed, but I wanted to dive into the importance of priest, both within the faith, within society, and why we need them and why why they're important. And during masses, we'll often hear people is one of the petitions praying for more people to join the religious life, to join the priesthood, um, which is very important. And I wanted to think that, well, if people really understood more about the importance of what priests are bringing to the table, that would be only a positive service for everyone involved. So I wanted to take this opportunity here to just have a conversation about it because I think for many people out there, um, they don't have a, a, a true relationship with an individual priest. It's, it's He's the person who's at the front of church when I go to Mass, and that's about it. Maybe I'll see him at a church gathering every once in a while, but there's no real true relationship. And the fact that, you know, you guys dress a little bit differently than normal people. You know, you guys have collars, you know, um, and all that stuff that people can sometimes think that it's different than it is. So let's get all of that fog out of the way and dive into the topic. So with that being said, you are a priest and I want to give you the floor. Well, and yeah, just to focus specifically on priesthood, uh, you were talking about you know, you just mentioned prayers for priesthood and religious life. And those are really two fundamentally different things. Really, the only thing they have in common is celibacy. Um, but anyway, to focus on priesthood as as opposed to religious life, um, priesthood is really focused on the sacraments. So, and I really like, uh, it was a comment that I got from Dr. John Bergsma at Franciscan University. He was a a reformed uh, Calvinist, I'm missing, a reformed Presbyterian. And he, in his studies, came to believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So in recognizing that the Eucharist is not just a symbol, it's not just uh, like a candle that happens to be used in the Mass, uh, it's actually being transformed by the power of God through the prayers of the church in the context of the mass to become the body and blood of Christ. And he used this very simple logic. He said, I knew once I believed in the real presence that when Jesus said, this is my body. And when he said in his explanation of uh, the Eucharist in John chapter six, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink and so forth. He explains multiple times and people even leave and he doesn't run after them. Um, so he said when he came to believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, that the Eucharist is really transformed, he said, well, obviously then it can't just be everybody doing this. Like, <laughs> clearly just anybody saying the words of consecration is not going to be adequate 
to confect the Eucharist, that would be ridiculous because you just have like the Eucharist all over the place. You know, some kid at home uh, playing mass would be confecting the Eucharist and you have the body of Christ, whatever, being left on the floor to be eaten by the dogs. And, you know, it's just clearly crazy to think that anybody could do this. So then you have to have a certain person who is set apart specifically for this because if you can actually create the body of Christ, that's like worth your whole life. You know, having a whole person dedicated to that role is makes sense that you have a sacred minister whose life is set aside specifically for that singular purpose. And I thought, wow, that's a great way of, of coming at it. So give uh, Dr. John Bergsma credit for that. Again, that's just part of his own faith journey. When he believed in the real presence, the priesthood was obvious to him, and he became Catholic uh, and is a professor at Franciscan University. And so, okay, well, then the other things about the priesthood sort of follow from there. Well, if you have a person whose whole life is dedicated primarily to this task, which is worth dedicating our life to, because again, it's Jesus, and it's it's also the center of our faith. You know, our, our faith is all about Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus is the Eucharist. The Eucharist is Jesus. And the Eucharist comes to us through the hands of the priest. So, uh, well, then it's worth having a whole life dedicated to that. And what is a person like who is dedicated to that? You know, he's not just a robot. Um, In fact, if his whole life is dedicated to the Eucharist, well, shouldn't he really know Jesus? (laughs) And shouldn't he really be intimately involved with Jesus? And, uh, the other way that we, you know, really learn about and receive Jesus is through his word. So shouldn't he be really knowledgeable about the scripture? And, and if you have a person who knows Jesus that intimately, now think of the apostles, you know, how are you best going to get to know Jesus? Well, it's like talking to the guys that really know him. And so, uh, well, that helps us understand why the priest preaches and teaches because he's the guy that really knows Jesus most intimately. Not that everybody can't have their own and shouldn't have their own personal relationship with Jesus. Every one of us certainly should, but some of us can really dedicate the time to that. Uh, some of us can really invest ourselves in that. Some of us can be, you know, that's that's our major. And so that makes sense that uh, you'd go to that person and that person would have a role in preaching and teaching as well as the intimacy of prayer. And then the other sacraments all kind of are ex- extensions of the Eucharist, the sacrament of, of baptism or of confirmation, of uh, anointing or of confession or, um, you know, of marriage, holy orders. So all of these are really revolving around the Eucharist as extensions of that. We create new ministers of the Eucharist. We apply the Eucharist in a particular way to healing. We, we need to be reconciled to God in order to receive the Eucharist, to enter into communion with him. We need to be configured to his body through baptism, that we become part of him and thus open, you know, able to receive the Eucharist. We are confirmed in our faith to be able to share that gift. So really seeing the Eucharist at the center, the priest as the sacred minister who uh, confects the Eucharist, who who makes that happen in the Mass and, and gives that to the people, and then all of the overflowing of that into the different sacraments, and then also the sharing of that intimacy with Christ that 
is going to be most appropriate to the one who is living, whose life is totally configured to that. There is no priesthood without the Eucharist. There is no Eucharist without the priesthood. So that's how tightly con conjoined they are. And that's why we also have them liturgically in the same function. It's at the Last Supper that Jesus creates the Eucharist. And then he tells his apostles specifically who are with him. And that's one of the reasons we believe only the, uh, there are only men present at the Last Supper. And in particular, the, the apostles were the only ones present at the Last Supper. And Jesus said, do this in memory of me. And the church has always understood that to mean that he was ordaining them for this ministry to be able to do the same thing that he had done to make the body and blood of Christ present for the people to offer that Eucharistic sacrifice. So uh, I think that's simple enough and condensed enough to, to be a kind of starting point. I can put a period at the end of that sentence and, and let you uh, offer a response. So obviously we've spoken many times about the importance of the Eucharist and, you know, you just made a very straightforward analogy right there or analysis that the Eucharist being so important has to be done by by people who who are trained in this and and one with Christ. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what priests seem to be. And from this from the faith standpoint, that 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 makes complete sense. And and why wouldn't you want to 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 be a part of that? That if your entire life is you get to make the Eucharist. I mean, that that you get to be part of that process. Um. In a certain sense, how could there be room for anything else within your life? And that that makes a, a a tremendous amount of sense. So, I also wanted to to ask about how you know society at large benefits from from there being priests and, and people wanting to be priests. So, you know, we're able to quickly identify the value society gets um, from like a police officer. You know, they stop a criminal. They might give you a ticket you didn't want, but they're making a positive impact. And I wanted to have that same conversation about, for, you know, again, society at large, the benefits that that, that priests get. Because I think that oftentimes people just look at it from an immature standpoint of, well, the tickets I get from the priest are me being told things I don't want to do but I really want to do them and they don't see the benefit of it, of stopping the criminal. So our society runs better. So I want to give you the floor there as we're a little bit past halfway this episode to let you know where we're at. Yeah. So, uh, supernaturally, you know, starting there again, the, the priesthood and the Eucharist are together. So the priest gives the Eucharist and gives the sacraments in general. I, keep focusing on the Eucharist, as the church teaches, it is the source and summit of all grace in the church, uh, of, of everything that the church does. It all starts with the Eucharist and it all finds its fulfillment in the Eucharist. So that's the Second Vatican Council. Um, so the Eucharist is, is really central and the priest's life is totally configured to that. And so supernaturally, what does he provide? Well, he provides the means of salvation. I mean, um, so that's uh, no trivial thing at its at its own level um, the more that the mass is offered the more grace is flowing into the world and in ways that we can identify directly and indirectly 
that changes things. So uh, I, I love the uh, sort of anecdote of the Philippines when they were preparing for the coming of uh, John Paul II for World Youth Day in 1995 in the Archdiocese of Manila, I think every parish started perpetual adoration. They started adoring the Eucharist 24-7 in every parish. And then that continued after World Youth Day for some period of time. And you could draw the crime boundary around the parish boundary. So the parishes where the, the Lord was being adored 24-7, there was no crime. Uh, you know, so that's that's interesting. There's a, there's a grace there. I'm sure there's a sociological effect there to some degree. There's, you know, there's a lot of things going on there. But uh, the point is there is a, a supernatural benefit just to the offering of mass. Then in terms of a sociological benefit, you know, we, we get that too. Um, Carl Jung said, if everybody went to confession, then psychologists would be out of a job. And he was recognizing the power of acknowledging guilt for our sins and receiving forgiveness and a chance to begin again. So that's huge. There's a huge sociological impact just from the sacrament of confession. And then when you start to take the, the expertise of the priest, and this is a, kind of a secondary effect now, it's like what I was describing earlier, the primary thing is the Eucharist. and the sacraments by extension. The secondary thing is, well, if you live your life so configured to Christ, then uh, you develop some things. You know, it, it gives you a heart that's sensitive. It gives you an insight into people. It gives you a certain wisdom that you can offer. It helps you to have the mind and heart of Christ, which is great. It's as good as it gets, you know. the uh, Jesus's mind and heart were the best that that human beings ever had. And so the more that we're close to him, the more uh, powerful and more effective our own minds and hearts are. And so when you have men who are in that position, they can, they can help a lot of people. Uh, and guiding a parish, guiding individuals, you know, I meet with uh, whatever, businessmen, millionaires, doctors, uh, CEOs, in addition to, uh, you know, moms and dads and priests and religious. I mean, I meet with a lot of these people one-on-one -on -one for spiritual direction and it, it matters, you know, their businesses benefit because they meet with me and, and, you know, as a spiritual director in general, but as a priest in particular, as someone whose life is totally dedicated to this, uh, to this ministry. And so, um, you know, there's a, there's a sociological impact there specifically with the priests. And then, you know, kind of more generally, again, the church would not be the church without the Eucharist and the Eucharist wouldn't be there without the priesthood. So uh, what, what impact does the church have on society? Well, it has a massive impact on society. I mean, the, the transforming effect of Christianity on the Western world in the past 1,000, 1,500 years in particular, where the church really became such a driving force. Holy Roman Empire started in 800. Um, so certainly for the past 1,200 years has been the driving force. Uh, it's a massive impact, massive. And so 
the the priesthood is at the heart of that and um, yeah anyway i think uh, i think that gives a sketch of you know uh, all these things kind of fit together i guess that's part of the thing you can't really separate out it's a little bit like saying well what's the impact of a police officer well as you said there's some negatives and some positives for one particular police officer but what's the impact of the whole judicial system of which the police officer is an essential part <laughs> well huge um yeah that's the difference between the the wild west between uh i don't know i mean some countries in the middle east or you know syria and uh and the united states you know we we can coexist in relative peace because we have a judicial system um but we we couldn't have a judicial system if we didn't have priests and uh, uh, policemen just like we can't have a church if we don't have priests and so um yeah that all kind of fits together that way yeah and and, and i thank you for doing that i know that we had to to make today's episode a little bit shorter than some of our other ones because of time restraints, but but I definitely thank you for for just sitting down and kind of diving into the importance of it because as I said we we discussed so many times about you know wanting to have more priests and and, and very rarely do we dive into why it matters that we have priests and and how that that helps us all around us and the the thing that you mentioned there is. So many of these things aren't things you see, you know, you, you can go on and, um, and see so many things. Like if you have a baker, you can see now there's donuts and there weren't donuts before, you know, <laughs> you, you can't see the power of someone who just came out of confession that was told that they were sins have been forgiven and to go sin no more. You, you don't, you, there's no physical difference there. You know, the, 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 he went in there with jeans and a hat. And he came out with jeans. And a hat. So, <laughs> right. uh, but for the difference within that person is, is, is huge. So I think that that is part of, uh, part of what, what we need to recognize and, and, you know, truly see that, you know, the importance of the priesthood is, is, is massive and something that, that should not be overlooked lightly or, or disparage and you know the other part recognizing that just like any other industry or profession it, it's not all going to be run at the uh the highest level it should be but that doesn't mean that the entire institution of the profession is wrong and um you know you, you see out there ceos that do things wrong that doesn't mean we're all made off um you know made off made a lot of problems he hurt a lot of people that doesn't mean every ceo does that um so therefore you know, being able to look at it for the value that, that the priesthood gives. I thank you for, for, for giving that. And we asked today specifically, if you know anyone who is contemplating the priesthood in any capacity to, to directly send this to them. I know that the majority of the way people are getting their podcast has a share button, which you can do in very specific means, maybe through a text message or some other platform. And we ask that, that you send that directly to them um, in, in a very particular way with this episode. So we thank you guys for listening, and we will be with you again here next week.